Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm-hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. So we made a little pack of all of our favorite things that we gave for the nurses and the doctors. We've been loving it. And they've been loving it. We've been fueling them with, will you hold it, baby? With our favorite protein bars. Hold it up from Garden of Life. Yep, the protein bars. Our smart sweets, we love those, kick the sugar, and then we even gave them our favorite protein powder. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Thursday, so you obviously know what this episode's going to be this week. A TBT. 
Impassionation. A TBT. What's isn't TBT throwback Thursday? What's a Thursday thing? Yeah, I was trying to think of what a Thursday thing would be. Well, when we get to Screams from the Pit, it might be a little bit of a TBT, at least for me. But before we get into anything today, we have to mention something you might have seen floating around the social media sphere. A few posts from superstars Danny Padilla and Ember Ambrose sporting some incredible new gore shirts. This is new gore merch, ladies and gentlemen. All of our old merch is now offline. If you got it when it was available... Enjoy it, savor it, because it's gone forever. And next week, the shirts you've been seeing in these social media stars, Instagram posts and stories, they will be made available to anyone who wants one. So we're going to be posting links, reminding you on next week's podcast. So get ready to adorn yourself in the finest clothing that you have ever owned. (laughs) It'll definitely be the most complicit clothing you've ever owned and i've reposted these adorable adorable merch videos in our instagram story so check them out but you know it's thursday you know how we actually start all of our thursday episodes talking about what's happening in the world outside of bachelor nation how it's related to Bachelor Nation. This is Game of Roses. State of the world. So a lot's been going on in the world. All right, we got the Suez Canal blocked by a giant container ship, but it's out of there. They got it moving, and goods and services are flowing free once again. Capitalism always wins. (laughs) I loved that boat play. Strongest boat play I've ever seen. We got President Joe Biden's dog, Major. Attacking a second person in the White House. We got Visa, one of the biggest financial institutions in the world, announcing that it is going to start using blockchain technology and cryptocurrency to resolve certain transactions. We got Matt Gates in a sex trafficking investigation. We got ex-president Donald Trump launching a new website this week, 45office.com. We got Pfizer saying kids can take the COVID vaccine now. We have Arkansas passing an anti-trans health care bill. And, of course, the biggest news is the murder trial of Derek Chauvin is underway currently in Minnesota. Obviously, the biggest news in our nation. I think even globally, people are watching to see what happens. We are recording this on Wednesday, which was day three of that murder trial. We all know that Chauvin murdered George Floyd. The act, which was recorded on video, became the catalyst for last year's BLM protests in every major city across the country, sparking new conversations about police brutality, racism, the role police should even play in our modern American society. And this trial is being broadcast live as entertainment, and there are mixed feelings about if we should all be watching it like any other reality TV show. This trend really started with the OJ trial back in the 90s, which was broadcast on TV There was all kinds of court TV, true TV style coverage of it. And then obviously it became one of the biggest scripted shows. Well, a couple seasons ago, Ryan Murphy did it on FX. That's how I experienced it. They're the scripted shows. And there was a lot going into just kind of what media was even becoming at the time. What we saw as entertainment. It started really in the 80s with Phil Donahue and Oprah Winfrey. 
when they would have talk shows where they would invite KKK members on their show, or they would invite people who were extremely homophobic to have conversations with gay people and the sensationalism of forcing these conversations live on a stage became accepted as entertainment for us. And then obviously the evolution of that winds up in something like a Jerry Springer show or a Morb Povich show. And this is just kind of where we are now, where we accept these horrific things being broadcast as entertainment and we get to kind of watch them from afar in a detached parasocial nature. The same is now happening in this trial. We don't know any of these people, or I would say most of us, the, the vast majority of Americans do not personally know mm-hmm. anyone involved in this. And yet we all feel like we have a very personal stake in this. And in some ways we do. Yeah, obviously. I would say we're not watching it in a detached manner at all. <laughs> I feel very attached to watching it. Um, and affected emotionally. <laughs> As do I. And the flip side of that whole argument is that this is a trial. And in almost every case, trials across the country, if you are a member of the public, you have the right to go sit in the audience of that trial and watch it transpire. And so there is an argument to be made that televising this is just allowing a larger portion of the American population to watch that trial in the same way they would have a right to if they were, you know, there in person. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I personally probably fall somewhere in the middle of this argument. It's like it is shitty to see this televised. And to know that there are going to be ad dollars generated in somebody's pocket as the result of it. But the flip side is, this is such a monumental occurrence in the American legal system. And the outcome of this trial is, I mean, it's going to set a new precedent for uh, if cops will be held accountable or not. I mean, hopefully it'll set a new precedent. Or it'll follow the fucking old precedent. (laughs) Yeah, maintain the old one. And then, you know, we're all anxiously awaiting what that's going to mean in terms of another round of protests what is going to happen in minneapolis the day the verdict comes down if it's not i mean we all saw him commit murder we've all seen the tape he definitely committed Mm -hmm. murder so now we are just watching to see if the courts will uphold that reality or if they will not and if they don't the entire justice system in the United States of America, is really on trial in this moment that we're all watching, you know? I feel like anyway. I think it definitely is. We've already had, there have been protests in the streets this week um, leading up to this, but I'm sure that will only escalate at the end. Um, I'm really hoping that it goes differently. Cops across the country are almost never prosecuted for brutality against our citizens especially not murder um so i'm very curious to see if we will see actual accountability even if it doesn't go that way i don't think it will it'll be a blow but it won't stop this movement and it truly is all up to those jurors this is a jury trial They will be the ones making the final verdict on this. And I mean, I have to imagine they're all aware of how much is riding on this, the weight of what this decision will mean. Yeah, the OJ trial didn't didn't have this type of weight to it. I think it had a a pretty significant weight to it. How old were you when the OJ trial was going down? Uh, I'm pretty sure I wasn't born. (laughs) 
have what? Yes, you were. I was a child. Right. A very young child. I was a very young adult when this was happening. And there was definitely a lot of weight to it. It was, you know, all eyes were on this. But it wasn't like the BLM movement. No, certainly there had not been giant protests, but right prior to this were the Rodney King trials and all those cops got off. And so the country was just like ready to fucking explode. And if OJ would have been found guilty, I mean, at this point, I think we all think that he did do the murders and he kind of got away with it. But people were expecting there to be huge protests in the streets if he was found guilty, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely, it was all eyes were on that trial. I don't think it was as much, like you're saying, I agree with you, it wasn't as much of an indictment of the the police system as a whole as this is. No, I know it was an important trial, but this feels a little different. (laughs) I would imagine, you know, I was so young, though. We can't, we can't know. Of course. And that was also, O.J. Simpson was a huge celebrity. There was that strange component to it that I think fueled the idea that it was entertainment because now we were watching like a celebrity on TV. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a trial, but like we've seen him in movies and shit. He's been on TV for decades at that point as a sports commentator, and it it lent an air to that whole trial that it just was another TV show. This, I think, is drastically different in that it's it's way more serious. But Pace Case, how does this relate to The Bachelor? Making money on human suffering. Is that <laughs> what you're thinking? <laughs> I mean, that is certainly one way. But, I mean, it's woven into the very fabric of our country, just as The Bachelor is, and George Floyd's murder and the subsequent Black Lives Matter protests that erupted all over the country that year, last year. It's what gave us Matt James. It's what was the catalyst for season 25, which is now just wrapped up. And so we are starting to see the, right. the culmination of all of these events is now coming to fruition. And it has rippled through Bachelor Nation to give us season 25, to give us Matt James, to give us Rachel Kirkconnell, the antebellum photos, to give us the Dark Lord Harrison interview on Extra with Rachel Lindsay, his subsequent excommunication from the franchise. And now we, we are- get a trial of Chris Harrison? I don't know. We're going to get to some of this later in the news about what his effect on the game still is, even though he's not in it. There are things happening as the result of the possibility of him returning that are affecting the very next seasons of the show we might be watching. And this is all tied directly in to the trial that is currently happening in Minnesota, which is, I know people don't see the correlation, but I'm sorry, it's right there. George Floyd is murdered. Black Lives Matter protests happen. The Bachelor Diversity Movement happens on Instagram as a result. And then Matt James is announced as The Bachelor as a result of that movement, which then... Oh, 100%. Are people arguing that? Maybe the producers. Well, I think a lot of people who watch The Bachelor don't see the parallel. I I still think there is a massive amount of people in the country who think The Bachelor is just frivolous reality TV show entertainment. And obviously it's not. It's tied into all of this. And even the idea of like, what even is frivolous reality show TV entertainment anymore? I don't think that exists, but I think people are still lying to themselves that it does. They're not looking behind the curtain and saying, look at the people making this and why they're making it 
what they're selling you, how much money they're making off of it, and what truly is the thing they're presenting to you to make that money. I don't think many people ask those questions. And now we're starting to see that when you don't ask those questions, you get a season 25. (laughs) Yeah, you need a lot of uh, retrospection in order to adjust. And it doesn't seem like the show was doing that. I wonder if they are now. But it can be kind of tough to examine why you like a certain reality show. At least for me, I instantly think of the uh, what I call the cringe dating shows that I watch that I am mm-hmm. fascinated by. And it's like, what is it about them that I like? The cringe is real. I think that's what you like about it. That's what I like about cringe. I love cringe. Don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. me some good cringe. PP cringe. Oh, God damn. That's the finest cringe. I'll watch that PP cringe all fucking day long. And it's because it's a real What's your favorite PB cringe? The fucking pelvic thrusting dance in that backyard. That plays in my head on a fucking loop forever. Oh, mine's the eating contest (laughs) when he puked. I mean, look, they're all up there. I'm not saying that's not a great piece (laughs) of cringe as well. But that dancing clip, it's just, it's Mm. like in my head, if my brain, if I'm watching media in my brain and it's like a widescreen TV that's like a little icon in the lower right-hand corner of anything that I'm doing throughout the day. Just of your Google Glass? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just a little pee-pee, yeah. Justin? Just thrust oh it Oh, my God. That's, I'm sorry you live this nightmare existence. Sorry. Yeah. It enhances everything. I love it. Thank you, pee-pee. Oh, my God. Um. <laughs> anyway, that's our state of the world. The Chauvin case is underway. We are awaiting the outcome of it. We understand how it is tied into Bachelor Nation. And now we are going to move on to talking about the Instagram ups and downs of some of the most recent players that we are all watching closely. This is This Week in Games. As we are now two weeks out from the disastrous conclusion of season 25 and all taking a moment to collectively catch our breath in what will be a rare window of downtime for our beloved game this year, the gains of top players have continued to increase and we are here to cover them. One week after Matt James deactivated his Instagram account and then brought it back online after doing a complete scrub of anything Bachelor-related, effectively cutting all ties with the malicious producers who attempted to destroy his life last season, our 25th Bachelor is sitting at 1,001,716 followers. He is clearly hoping to capitalize on his status as a million club member as he seems to be promoting NFTs and other crypto-based endeavors. If he can cement his position in the digital art world, his numbers are sure to continue rising. Dildo enthusiast Katie Thurston is currently in New Mexico shooting her second week as our 18th Bachelorette at... This point, we have to assume PTCs have been played and perhaps even a few love levels have been raised. And this week, 6,000 new people have signed on to Thurston's growing Instagram base in anticipation of the airing of her season in just a few short weeks. 
She is now sitting at 551K, and we believe she is poised to be the newest member of the One Million Club within the second or third week of season 17 airing. Michelle Young is waiting patiently in the wings for her turn with the crown later this year, but her new fans are not waiting. Young packed on an additional 12,000 new followers this week, bringing her up to 424,000 followers. And she's even started posting some new influencer-style parasocial gaze shots to her main grid, which now boasts a behemoth 15 posts. (laughs) Will Young crack the 20-post mark before her season airs? Time will tell. And... Season 25's ring winner, Rachel Kirkconnell, experienced some gains this week as well. 7,000 new followers found their way to her Instagram account this week in time to see a few new posts from the superstar featuring her freshly painted fingernails and a few influencer-style shots taken in a parking garage. As the controversy seems to be dying down, Kirkconnell now sits at 646K and could possibly be eyeing a run at Paradise if the producers need some extra bodies to fill sand. A very real possibility as news is emerging that their Paradise offers are being turned down by some of their first choices. Abigail Herringer is the first of the upper echelon of IG gainers from the past season who has finally stalled. Her impressive climb to 481,000 followers has plateaued. She added no new followers this week, but hasn't shed any either. It is unlikely that this number will see any significant gains without a run on sand or perhaps even a second tour next season. Both distinct possibilities for the season 25 FIMP Rose recipient. I would love to see some second cures start happening. They're going to, I think. We've only had the fake one, Heather. When if we haven't had a recent one? Well, there are rumors swirling about a player on the next season of Bachelorette doing a second tour. Shut the front door. I don't know if you want to hear it or not. A real tour? It's a semi-spoiler. Okay, don't tell me. All right. It's out there. I won't say it. I'm out. Anyone can seek it for themselves. I have seen it. To me, I just have to say again, some people think spoilers are announcing who's on the season or, you know, shit of that nature. To me, spoilers really only have to do with the outcome, the order of elimination. Okay, just tell me, is it Will's? I mean, do you, if I tell you, that's a certain kind of spoiler either way. I wish to remain clean. Clues. And so you shall. Speaking of next season, the two co-hosts of the next season of The Bachelorette, Tasha Adams, who has 1,868,533 followers, and... Caitlin Bristow, who has 1,928,419 followers, are under close observation. They're both standing at the door of the 2 million club and waiting for it to open. 
Adams is in a holding pattern at 1.8 million, while Bristow inches ever closer to that magic number. She's currently just 71,581 followers away from crossing the threshold. We are hoping to see big things from both of these ex-crowns this season as they step into the shoes of the Dark Lord and maybe even get to show us their own ting stylings at the close of a few cocktail parties. And of course, we have to take a moment to check in with the IG numbers of the Dark Lord himself. Since being pushed out of Bachelor Nation and hiring an attorney to flex his legal muscle in the face of ABC and Warner Brothers, the Prince of Darkness has maintained steady at 1.3 million followers, although he has not posted anything to his main grid since the formal apology he issued on February 13th. And through all of this, his partner, Lauren Zima, has effectively disappeared from public life, issuing only one post to her main grid last week commemorating the passing of her father. We are all anxiously awaiting her return, if she is allowed one, by the Dark Lord. And that wraps up This Week in Gains. We will, of course, be keeping an eye on everyone's Instagram, and very soon we'll shift our focus to the players of Katie Thurston's upcoming season to see who's coming into the game with big numbers and who is translating their play on the field into the biggest gains. And now we move on to discuss all of those beautiful tids popping up in Bachelor Nation this week. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, Ashley Spivey from Brad Womack's second season announced a leave of absence from Instagram due to Bachelor Reddit trolls. She announced in a red background white text Instagram story, at some point in the past couple months, someone tried to hack into my account and I changed the password and can't remember it. For some reason, Insta won't send it to me. Regardless, I was trying to deactivate my account for a while. But since I can't do that, I'll just delete my app. I'm fine. I'm just not enjoying my time here. I want to use these alone days as a time to recharge and not get a bunch of shit from Reddit or those annoying accounts. See y'all soon. This comes after many from Bachelor Nation are being driven off the platform, including Rachel Lindsay, Matt James, and podcaster Brett Vergara. And we're even seeing stuff like this on a bigger scale. Chrissy Teigen got off Twitter for a very similar reason. And this idea is now gaining more and more steam that these social media platforms are so fucking toxic, people would rather get rid of them. Even people who make their livings off of them in one way or another, which is pretty fascinating. Fascinating and dark. (laughs) And I also completely understand because, like I've said, I've been driven off our Instagram as well. (laughs) (laughs) But Brett apparently got a death threat phone call. That's pretty fucking scary. So we got to just delete our, all our accounts and not answer our phones. People just have to stop being so shitty. The attitude about it's it's very mm. interesting. I'm a big video game player. I have been a video, big video game player for my entire life. All the way back to when video games weren't even online. 
to when you had to buy a cartridge what? and blow on it and put it in a little box and press power and you were just playing it on your TV and like it did not Game connect Boy. to the internet. Sure, a Nintendo, an Atari, a ColecoVision, however far you want to go back. But eventually, the internet got invented. And then video games started being played over the internet. You could play it with other people who were not in your same house, who maybe were not even in your same country. And then at a certain point, video games and online communication started to merge. You could chat with people while you're playing. You could type little things out to them. And then eventually you can even put on headphones and talk to them while you're playing. All of these video game environments are incredibly toxic. It is constant insults, constant racism, homophobia at all times. All of these different hmm. video game companies have tried to curb this. You can report players if they say bad shit, if they're doing bad shit in the game. Sometimes they get banned, sometimes they don't. But there's got to be a way to alter people's motivations to behave this way online. I don't know if it's punitive. Very rarely does negative reinforcement work to curb any behavior. More often, you have to find some kind of positive reinforcement, something to motivate the desired behavior instead of to suppress the undesired yeah. behavior. You get 20,000 points if no one reports you this month. <laughs> Something like that. You could get verified, get a check mark, whatever. I don't know what kind of carrots these different social media platforms have to dangle, but they should start trying to figure that out because I don't think this problem is going away. I think it's getting way worse uh, almost no. daily. And I think you're going to start to see more and more big name people dropping your platforms. And we all know what happened to Snapchat when Rihanna did that. They took a huge fucking hit in user base, stock price, yeah. all that shit. And if enough huge platform people are like, fuck it, I'm out, that's the end of it. Yeah, it's incredibly disturbing and disheartening. I know Olivia Caridi tweeted this week also. I didn't think I need to say this, but please don't send me links to websites where people are picking apart my appearance. I don't need to see that. And I'm just like, <laughs> people are sending Reddit, horrible Reddit threads to her as well. I know that I've said this a couple of times. I'm just going to say it again because it's going to happen. We are going to move away from using our own images on our social media. We are going to start to be represented by avatars that are not real people. <laughs> Maybe it's some version of you, but it's like, completely heightened so it's obvious that it's like a digitally enhanced version of you not what we're doing now where you use digital enhancement to try and make it look real just to try and make yourself look a little better than the real you we're going to start seeing it where uh -huh. you have like unicorn horns and fucking fairy wings and shit where it's totally obvious that this is not a real person or a completely manufactured ai once that comes into play there will be no cause to insult these avatars because they're not real fucking people Whatever pleasure a troll gets out of saying you look like shit. I like or that fuck technology you. is always the answer for you. It's the answer for all of us. Technology is the only thing that keeps moving in a straight line up, and it's even getting faster and faster. Every other aspect of human development has its ups and its downs. It has its progress and its slow periods, or even periods where it retracts. Uh, but technology never does. It builds on itself and just keeps going and going and going and going. And we're already starting to see the shit that I'm talking about where avatars are getting spawn con deals and stuff like that. It's already happening. It's just a matter of time before you're going to have the power in your phone to create something as intricate as like a little Michaela. 
and we're all going to do so it. So are you saying that if I put unicorn horns on, I'm going to get less hate mail? Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Something to consider. It's just what's happening. And I think, you know, within the next five years, I just don't see how online hate can maintain its momentum. That behavior can't still exist if no one online is real. Because, who, like, what is the point of insulting a cartoon character? I think people do it all the time. <laughs> they did it for Sonic. You're right. <laughs> what do you mean? What is the point of any of these people harassing any of these people? There's no point. Their time would be better utilized doing literally anything else. That's true. Trolls will always troll, I suppose. But, but you won't have to suffer the adverse effects of it. You won't be driven off social media if people are like, your avatar looks like shit. Mm. You'll just be like, oh, whatever. I don't... <laughs> great do i have a million followers am i selling diet coke with my avatar yes okay fuck off i like that that's your version of me in the future is i'm a unicorn avatar selling diet coke <laughs> we're all gonna be fucking unicorn avatars selling something that's the that is the future of fucking commerce and jobs don't even get me started on fucking robotics and how it's going to replace labor but that's right around the corner too and a lot of ai is going to replace computer labor if you work in taxes for example bye-bye sorry to say it that ain't a job anymore even if you work in like law we're gonna have ai legal robots that can read contracts for you that can make contracts for you i i mean there will still be human beings trying cases and litigation in court but the kind of like grunt work of legal practices that's all ai those jobs are gone that's within 10 years and so how are you going to make money you're going to create a fucking avatar and you're going to go into some digital world and perform some digital function and people are going to pay you money in that digital world, whatever that money may be, cryptocurrency, U.S. dollars, whatever the case is. That's all happening now. And it's only going to keep going because that's what technology does. What avatar are you going to be? A squirrel? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> but speaking of keeping on going. Our second item of Bachelor Nation news involves Matt James. He seems to be upping his clout this week by attending a few star-studded events. News emerged of James playing poker with Melissa and Joe Gorga from the Real Housewives of New Jersey, and images surfaced of James at a UFC 260 viewing party with none other than Travis Barker, Megan Fox, and Courtney Kardashian. That's correct. Matt James is hanging out with one of the Kardashians. Video of this event surfaced in which James appears to ask Megan Fox for a slice of gum. She obliges. More photos and reporting on the event emerged this week confirming the attendees. We are not sure how Matt James gained an invite to these events, but he appears to be breaking away from the Bachelor franchise in an attempt to parlay his reality TV fame into more legitimate levels of celebrity co-signed by some of these A-listers. Now, we saw this happen with Madison Pruitt at the end of her season when she surfaced in videos on Instagram hanging out with one Selena Gomez. And we've seen PP hanging out with members of the Kardashian family as well, such as Caitlyn Jenner. Playing golf with Caitlyn Jenner, the Dark Lord's chosen sport. <laughs> Engaging in these devilish games with, I mean, 
the biggest A-list reality TV stars on the planet. I think this is just a thing that's happening now. We saw Tyler Cameron, obviously, dating Gigi Hadid for a little while. We've seen Wells Adams is now engaged to Sarah Hyland. We saw Colton Underwood hanging out briefly with Lucy Hale. This sucking up of the Bachelor stars into this real-world A-list celebrity, I think, is something we're going to see more and more of. And I think every subsequent lead is going to be privy to higher and higher degrees of famous people. I think Katie Thurston is going to come off her season. And who is she hanging out with? Ariana Grande? Jesus. Lil Nas X? who the most famous person is. <laughs> Billie Eilish? Love to see something Zendaya. Like that. Love to see that. Gen Zers in there. I'm very curious who Matt James is going to date next. This is not looking good for Heather Martin if he's with the Kardashians. Totally agree. I'm curious to see who he winds up with as well. But congratulations, Matt James. You are playing this game absolutely correctly. And the cold cut with all things Bachelor related is just a fucking beautiful move. It's like, I did what you wanted from me. You guys totally fucked me. Thanks for the million Instagram followers. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah, I remember, I think the the Madison Pruitt-Selena Gomez photo, the caption was like winning or something. And I was like, that is exactly what it is. You are now hanging with the most famous people that exist. And it, it snowballs into this other thing like we were just talking about. I'm now wondering, how the fuck does he know them? How did he get this invitation if not because he's the Bachelor? Like, that's the only reason these people know who he is. And so are they just kind of collecting They watch The Bachelor, I guess. Are they like, we're going to have a a UFC 260 party. You know what we should do? Let's see if The Bachelor wants to come. Like, how do they know him outside of it? You know what I mean? (laughs) Has he been DMing them? Is he working on projects with them? I don't understand how that relationship happens whoever the relationship is with right. i don't know who invited him to this event or to either of these events yeah it's probably like publicists publicists who are putting these people together for like spawn con and whatever that probably is it because i think the the vegas thing was some sort of spawn con but just wild a wild merging of worlds speaking of things that are happening to celebrities Our next item of Bachelor Nation news involves Becca Martinez from Ari Leyendijk's season of The Bachelor. Becca posted about an incident in which she was assaulted by a teenage boy on her Instagram main grid. The caption reads, I was just out taking a walk, looking like this, pushing my sleeping baby and holding hands with my toddler when a teenager skateboarded by and grabbed my ass. Felt totally powerless as I screamed at him, that is not okay, what the fuck is wrong with you? I wanted to chase him down and pull him off his skateboard, punch him in the back. Do something, anything to get through to him that what he did was so wrong. He looked so casual, not even in a rush as he whizzed on past down the sidewalk, only glancing back when he was a block away. Ruth was so shaken, she kept repeating in her two-year-old voice, you okay, mommy? I'm not okay. I'm mad. I'm mad that this kid felt bold enough to touch me in the middle of the day in a neighborhood with my children by my side. What the fuck is he going to do to a woman when he's an adult in the cover of night? I'm mad that this isn't the first time. I remember being alone on the beach at 21. When a man walked up to me with his dick in his hand, I felt helpless then too. I hate this. I hate that this is the world my daughter will grow up in. 
I don't care what you have to do to teach your sons to respect the people around them. Threaten to chop their balls off. I don't give a fuck. But I hate knowing that there are predators around every turn, every corner, and the world will always be unsafe for women. It is horrifying that this happened to Becca. And I am so sorry that it did. It's unfortunately so commonplace. And I found this story to be triggering because it just reminded me of all of the various times that this has happened to me. And I was even talking to Clues about this beforehand. I was like, yeah, it happens almost constantly. Especially in like certain situations. I remember when I was going out to bars when I was in Europe and it would happen more than once per night. That would always happen. It's just very commonplace and it shouldn't be. And nothing protects you from it. Whether you're a celebrity like Taylor Swift who sued that guy for grabbing her ass or you're with your babies like Becca Martinez, it fucking sucks. <laughs> and I don't, how are your, how are your AI uh, <laughs> characters going to solve this one, Clues? We live in a digital world where no one can touch anyone. No one goes outside. Yeah. I mean, as mm. the climate starts to collapse, that'll become a necessity as well. Oh. That's something to look forward to. But yeah, this is terrible. I obviously too, I'm like, sorry that this happened to Becca. Sorry that she had to go through this. And it's always fucking shitty to read about things like this. I, I don't know if for like who in society it can kind of, we tend to ignore these things when they happen, but then you see it happen to somebody that you're following on social media and it just brings it right back front and center. And you're reminded of how pervasive it is constantly. And like you're saying, she's out with her children. And this kid just fucking rides by and does this on a bike. It's terrible. Yeah. And I was thinking about like, what if we posted every single time that this happened? That would be like half of my Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. I do think there is a time coming in the very near future. As we all know, we currently live in a extreme surveillance state. The police and the FBI, the NSA... They have the ability to literally watch anything that is happening to anyone at all times. Every When you're on your computer, the camera that's looking back at you, even if it's not in quotes on, the NSA can look through that camera at you. They can see everything you're doing online, any security camera that exists in the world or on your phone, anywhere, whatever. Cops and the governmental authorities that control these things can look through all of them whenever they want. I think, though, where we're kind of headed as a society and the George Floyd case is part of this as well. There's a video that exists of that murder that wouldn't have otherwise because of the ubiquitous nature of video recording technology. And I think we're getting to a point where there will be something that I dub the auto record, but basically a 24-7 recording of everything that happens that is uploaded to a database that we can all look at, publicly searchable. And I think with that in place everyone will be much less likely to engage in this type of behavior because they know they're recorded. They know footage of that can surface and destroy their lives. So there will be a kind of panoptic effect that exists in everyone's mind. And maybe that's a little shitty that we're all going to have to live with that constantly over our heads. <laughs> maybe but, a little. <laughs> but it also means that like people's behavior will be curbed. 
And I do think it'll make us a more honest society as well. Because I think for all the negative things that it will capture, it's also going to capture weird things. Like we're going to have footage of everyone sleeping and taking shits all the time. And there will be people who become famous for these things. Wait, this is the positive part of this? <laughs> yeah. That's like, you want to know how we're going to make money in this digital world? There's going to be somebody who takes a shit in a way you could not have fucking imagined. And it's going to be hilarious. And that person's going to have 30 million Instagram followers or whatever, not Instagram, but a giant following of people on social media. And they will be selling diet Coke as they're taking shits. That's all coming. The rise of shit fluencers. Yes. Hmm. Maybe we should get maybe we should get on the ground floor of this. You want to start a gore shitfluencer account? <laughs> uh, praise be the off season. <laughs> praise be the off season. But sincerely, we wish you well, Becca, and uh, hope that the trauma caused by this event isn't so overwhelming, and that you come out of it okay and are able to move on. Speaking of everything constantly being recorded, our next piece of Bachelor Nation <laughs> news involves the arrival of nice. Glitter Baby 2021. Oh Coach Crystal Nielsen and Father Miles Bowles began their journey to the hospital late Monday night to induce labor. She has been compulsively chronicling her breeding adventure via her Instagram stories, where she has thankfully found time to include a few spawn con posts on her way to the hospital. We are recording this Wednesday afternoon at 4.22 p.m., so it is completely possible that by the time you're hearing this, Glitter Baby will be breathing the same air the other 7.7 billion of us currently do. Glitter Baby is now sitting at 25.4 thousand Instagram followers, and we expect to see an increase once she is among us. Glitter Baby is the first parasocial power fetus to emerge in 2021, and the Lion Dyke twins are next in line. They already boast 252,000 followers, a number that is certainly out of reach for Glitter Baby 2021. Nonetheless, we wish Glitter Baby a happy and healthy arrival into this crumbling world. <laughs> I mean, good on Crystal for just doing Spawn Con just up through the very minute of this birth she's gonna be recording spot con as she's giving birth i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm fully expecting glitter baby to emerge into the world holding an iphone or a pair of sunglasses <laughs> or some kind of branded piece of merchandise oh for sure that first post is gonna have some spawn con the clo the baby clothes presumably are already picked out oh yeah for sure i'm curious i you know, time will tell, as we always say. And it's like, it could be happening right now as a recording. I don't know. I feel like we would know. We would feel it. <laughs> we have a psychic link to Glitter Baby. <laughs> it's like in, uh, I just watched that Zack Snyder Justice League. And when the bad guy, there are these three like cubes that the bad guy has to get and merge them together. And that means the end of the world, basically. And when he merges it, it sends out like this fucking weird pulse around the world. And you get these shots of every one of the superheroes like looking up like they felt something change in reality. You know, that's like Glitter Baby for us. Yeah, if it's if it's that important to you, you psychically know from the universe when it happens. I am just going to check Glitter Baby. Okay, Glitter Baby already has gained followers since this. Glitter Baby is at 26K. But she is not yet living among us contractions she's having people guess on the birth time 
Oh my god. There's a video. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Y'all, check out Crystal's Instagram stories. She has her partner massaging her from behind. She, okay, we're seeing her nurse or doctor. She made a gift basket of her favorite things for the nurses and doctors. All I'm spawn this con. Is spawn con. Yeah. Oh, she's gotten the epidural. Oh my God. No update in four hours. She. It must be happening but i guarantee you she's got a camera person there to document all of this we're going to get a youtube video of the entire experience at some point speaking of finding joy in this crumbling world there is trouble in paradise bachelor in paradise that is see what i did there As As Katie Thurston's season of The Bachelorette is currently shooting, producers for the upcoming season of BIP are hard at work, putting together the roster of all-stars who will touch sand for season seven in Mexico this summer. But it seems they might be running into some unforeseen stumbling blocks. With the largest pool of potential Paradise players we have ever seen, Producers are setting their sights on some blue chip players like Baylock Eye, Tia Booth, and even former crown Becca Kufrin. Their hesitation to accept the offer seems to be rooted in the current uncertainty of DLH's possible involvement in the season and the general direction the show is heading, where player abuse is concerned. We don't know who is going to wind up signing away their civil rights one more time in exchange for the chance at more screen time, but it is currently rumored that Wolverine Chase and Nick, young Noah Erb, FIMP recipient Spencer Robertson, and the bringer of all vaccine information to Bachelor Nation, Dr. Joe Park have all accepted the Faustian bargain. This is very interesting information. This was an article that came out in Cosmo that says producers are offering people sand and they are saying no. And it supposedly is more than one and it supposedly is some of their first choices. I don't know that this has ever happened before. I mean, presumably they've asked ex-crowns before who have said no. Sure. But I think it's not just the crowns. I think it's like the rank and file people who are just from other seasons are like, yeah, I'm good. And I also wonder if some of these players are asking who's going to host and they're like, we don't know yet. And they're like, then I'm out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm notably seeing Ivan Hall missing from this. But he famously did the first ultimatum. So if DLH is there, he ain't. This is just another example of potentially players being able to shape the show. Now, as we're seeing, Chase and Nick, Noah Herb, Spencer Robertson, and Joe Park have reportedly all said yes. So those players are locked. But if all players had banded together prior to this season and said, if you get a call from the producers, we collective bargain this. We say Mm -hmm. no one is going to play on Paradise unless it's not Chris Harrison. That would have happened. They had a chance here to potentially lock him out. I don't know what the case is. If these players who have already agreed to it have made some kind of a deal, I don't know how they bargained their way into the show. But that chance existed. 
I don't know if it still does. Yeah, I have a feeling a couple of those guys don't give a fuck if Chris Harrison is hosting or not. But time will tell. Indeed. Hopefully. And to wrap up, Bachelor Nation News, we got a few happy birthday wishes to dispense. Happy birthday to Faceplay champion and mouthing off podcast host, Olivia Caridi. She turned the ripe old age of 29. We hope this last year, your 20s, is a great one, Olivia, and many more successful podcasts to come will be the result of it. And, of course, happy birthday to the TikTok queen of Bachelor Nation, Madison Pruitt. It was her birthday on March 25th. She turned 25, inching ever closer to that magical age in which she might get to wear the crown. What is that age? <laughs> 26 to 32. Oh, I could still get it. That's Absolutely. Good. On the cusp. <laughs> but that's it. That's all the news we have for this week. And now we move on to that segment of the show in which we discuss all of the plays that our favorite players are making off the field and in the primary world of ones and zeros, the digital landscape to which we will all upload in the very near future and forget the problems of the physical world that plague us now every day. This is... The Parasocial Play, 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 Play of the Week. First up in parasocial plays, listen to your heart star and the second highest TikTok champion of Bachelor Nation, Danny Padilla, performed a high quality unboxing video of Game of Roses merch this week on his Instagram story, demonstrating that he not only deserves to be the parasocial powerhouse that he is, but also that he is very for TRR. Which was never in question. Our second parasocial play that we want to highlight this week belongs to Maggie Tariq. She took to her Instagram story in full PPE to post about how she's giving out the COVID vaccine all day with a Pfizer gif and the hashtag pharmacist on duty. We thank Tariq for her service in helping get out these invaluable vaccinations. And as we find ourselves getting deeper and deeper into the world of crypto, Matt James made a parasocial play this week where he took to his Twitter account to announce his arrival on the BitClout website. BitClout is a relatively new idea that creates new crypto coins for various celebrities. The value of these coins then fluctuates in accordance with the celebrity's perceived clout. For example, Elon Musk has the highest valued coin at 90K. As of James's tweet, his coin value was at $0. But maybe after hanging out with the Gorgas and the Kardashians, it'll go up. The interesting thing about BitClout is that in most cases, the celebrities have nothing to do with the creation of their coin. Instead, it's merely the idea of their fame that has been turned into a commodity on this site. In a way, it's removing the middleman in standard social media that requires you to generate a high enough number of followers to then be turned back into, mon into a monetary value through spawn con deals. 
BitClout simply offers the idea that the number itself should be monetary to begin with. It's unknown if BitClout will stand the test of time, but Matt James is certainly betting that it will. I'm loving the turn Matt James is taking into heavy crypto identity, heavy NFT identity. I could not be happier about it. It has been a sharp, hard pivot. While all these plays were fantastic, there was, of course, one that stood out. That was our winner. Because the raw power of what we saw here parasocially is something I don't think we've ever seen before. This is a parasocial (laughs) star unlike any the world has ever known. Now, it's difficult for a non-bachelor player to win parasocial play of the week, but this thing we're talking about it demanded the award. We sent out our Gore Fortier merch shirt to Jess Ambrose of the Chatty Broads, and she posted a two-part Instagram story. First, the setup, a straight-to-camera parasocial gaze by Jess herself, which she does so well, describing how she was blessed with the glorious gift of this podcast merch today. She pans to the beautiful pink and yellow Gore box, and then she continues... But someone immediately stole my shirt. Then she pans to a parasocial superstar, Ember Ambrose. Ember is wearing the oversized 4TRR shirt, a stunning, powerful, taut trick-or-treat. Limo exit for those who might need that explained. She makes a heart gesture with her hands, presumably an allusion to Michelle Young's Child Army Zoom date during the hometown's week of playoffs, as she says innocently, I'm here for the right reasons. Then Ember herself makes a comedic turn to say, just kidding, I'm here for the fame, as she tosses her hair back over her shoulder in a moment of parasocial dominance we have not yet seen. This, in my opinion, overshadows anything Dale Moss has ever done. It overshadows anything Tyler Cameron has ever done. It overshadows anything any player in the history of Bachelor Nation has ever done. This is the parasocial play of the week. It is the parasocial play of the year. It is the parasocial play of the decade. It is the parasocial play of human history, as far as I'm concerned. Could not agree more. This was the cutest video I've ever seen in my life. It made everything that we have been doing up until this point worth it. And I thank Ember for the highlight of this period of time for me. When I saw Ember wearing the shirt, (laughs) it was for me better than seeing Kim Kardashian wear it. I don't know how much Mm. enjoyment, entertainment I've gotten out of Ember's various performances that I see on Jess's Instagram stories all the time. But she's, I mean, sincerely, she's one of the funniest people on Instagram. I don't even think that's hyperbole. And to see her not only wearing our shirt, but to do a comedy bit in it, it was just the greatest gift I've been given on Instagram. So thank you, Ember. And we hope that you accept this award of Parasocial Play of the Week. One day we'll we'll make it a real trophy and we'll give it to her. (laughs) I would love to be able to send an actual trophy to anyone. God damn, we have to do that. But again, congrats, Ember. Fantastic work. And we cannot wait to see what you're doing next on the platform. And we just want to say, we talk a lot about human beings in the parasocial plays of the week. 
generally they are submitting their <laughs> their nominees to us and we are picking a winner. But we do have a notable mention this week. Someone who is not a human being. Our parasocial creature of the week goes to Pappy Babies Miller Keys of Deanie Babies and Kaylin Miller Keys. Deanie Babies posted a professional series of shots of Pappy this week with the caption, with a body like that, a face like that, and legs like his, he's going to be a Victoria's Secret supermodel. This series of images of Pappy has 57k likes and 330 comments. At Pappy Toothless has 26.7k followers, just barely beating out Glitter Baby. And deserves every one of them. Pappy and Deanie Baby's presentation of Pappy is a true fucking thing of beauty. Deanie Baby's is just one of the best at Instagram. I'm sorry, he just is. Yeah. Pappy's Instagram doesn't have that many photos. It's kind of a Michelle Young thing, but they are all in the same style. It's very beautiful to look at overall. So congrats to Pappy and congrats to Ember. And that rounds out our Parasocial Plays of the Week. Now it is that time for Pace Case and I to cut all ties to the outside world and throw ourselves off from the edge of the pit and fall all the way down where we can scream as loud as we want without disturbing anyone else in the real world. This is... Screams from the Pit! So earlier in Bachelor Nation news, we talked about Maggie Tariq getting out the shot, helping people get vaccinated. And today, that is what my scream is about. I have been volunteering with a local group who have been canvassing South LA to let people know about a local vaccine center called Kedron. They are going to be teaming up with a larger organization, Get Out the Shot LA. If you are in the LA area and you want to get involved with canvassing, you can email volunteers, the number four, the word vaccines at gmail.com. And if you want to volunteer with Get Out the Shot LA to help people make phone appointments who are facing barriers to getting appointments such as access to or fluency with technology, you can email getoutthesgots.losangeles at gmail.com. Tech Accessibility is still a huge issue among the elderly and the disabled, and vaccine doses at this point are still heavily concentrated among white Americans, and there are a ton of grassroots community organizations who are stepping in to try to take up the slack of where the government has been failing people, and these groups are on social media, Discord, Reddit, There's a Facebook group, New York slash Connecticut Vaccine Hunters and Angels, and it's associated website, vaccineangel.com. This group has over 14,000 members. But you can search terms such as vaccine hunters or vaccine angels in your local area, or even create your own local group, who are helping people who are eligible in the state to get vaccinated right now make those appointments as well as helping connect people with extra vaccine doses that would go bad if no one fills that slot. And there are even volunteer opportunities at 
actual vaccine sites. And I just want to highly recommend this to anybody who feels passionately about getting us to herd immunity as quickly as possible. I think it's a great way to help people. And, you know, hopefully (laughs) make this period end. Ultimately, it will need to be worldwide, but helping out in your local community is a great first step. It's fantastic. It's a beautiful scream. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie Tariq. Yeah, I mean, I you know, more and more people are getting vaccinated, obviously, every day. I think the end is in sight. I think we're going to be back to bachelor viewing parties, I think, by Katie's season airing. What? When's her season supposed to air? Four or five weeks? I saw a rumor that it would be June 1st. Feels soon. Two months from now? Oh, yeah, I guess that's two months. I think we're going to start to see it, the return to semi-normalcy. I mean, some states already have it. Texas is wide fucking open. No masks, everything open, everything's, in quotes, fine. Right, it's over. But no, it's very important to get a vaccine, and all these resources you just said were fucking great. Yeah, I mean, we don't want the virus mutating more and more. Get out the shot, Los Angeles. Well, my scream doesn't have to do with a vaccine. My scream has to do with something that has been happening to me in the past week or two. As you may know, when you're writing, I assume you do this. You listen to some music. You have some ambiance going in the background as you write. Mm -hmm. Our podcast, full volume. (laughs) (laughs) I do not do that. Two times speed. (laughs) That's amazing. I hope to get to that level. I usually have like some EDM or uh, sometimes some ambient whatever. or EDM? Mm Mm-hmm. Seems aggressive. Yeah, some can be, I suppose. I just like to have like some audio pattern going in my head while I'm doing the the verbal pattern of writing. And so this past week, I have been excessively listening to Alice in Chains, Nine Inch Nails, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Temple of the Dog, Candlebox, Stone Temple Pilots. I found the other night, for the first time in a while, I did not watch anime to go to sleep. I instead watched The Crow. What is that? Did you say, what is that? Yeah. Do you know who Bruce Lee is? Yes. His son was Brandon Lee, and his son was a very promising actor. He was poised to be a giant movie star. He does a movie called The Crow which is an adaptation of a comic book series from the late 80s, early 90s. In the shooting of the movie, he gets killed in a scene where a guy has a gun that shoots a blank at him, and there was like a thing lodged in the barrel of that gun. The guy shoots him, and it kills him. And that is the end of his career and life. That's horrible. It was absolutely terrible. The movie came out. It was one of the first movies where they had to use computer-generated Uh, graphics to like finish the rest of the movie and so they had a bunch of scenes where he was like running across rooftops in the dark that they used computer aid to kind of like fuck with the face to like replace him in the movie and the movie was like not a big hit but it was a kind of quintessential 90s movie this is 
way too much explanation for this, but you asked. <laughs> or maybe you didn't. Hey, but this I is said the it screaming anyway. portion. <laughs> anyway. Scream away. It was a it's a very quintessential nineties movie, kind of in the same way that like a singles or a reality bites might be, but it was an action movie. And very emo and all Don't this. know either of them. You don't know fucking reality bites? Uh-uh. Vampires? No. Winona Ryder, Janine Garofalo, Ben Affleck. It's like a comedy about Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke is in it too. Ethan Hawke is like a cigarette smoking coffee shop kind of fuck society Gen Xer. Ben Affleck is like a hardworking business guy who's a, an executive at like an MTV style company. And Winona Ryder is constantly shooting video of her friends. Steven Zahn's in it as well. And she starts dating uh ben stiller did i say ben affleck i meant ben stiller yeah she starts dating ben stiller <laughs> okay now and he then in my mind <laughs> ben stiller <laughs> then gives her a deal to make a tv show out of her footage and all of her friends are like oh this is great ethan hawk is like that guy's a fucking piece of shit and then they take her footage and recut it into this like pretty packaged thing that makes them all look stupid and ethan hawk is pissed and it's like a love triangle so the reality is the footage but the bites is that it's not as great as you think it might be. Something like that. It's a very famous movie okay. from the 90s. I'm sorry that you never saw it or whatever. It's worth seeing. Anyway. I was so young. So young. Not listening to the OJ trial. I was in my teens. Just I wasn't like an old playing. man then. But I'm just saying all of this is to say that I have been basically burying myself in 90s nostalgia. And I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? And I'm realizing something that by embracing The Bachelor, I have actually driven my Gen X roots so far down that I can barely remember them. And now, because we're constantly steeped in The Bachelor, which did not come on the air until 2002, I am like craving the era that existed before it, before there was a Bachelor. What was that media like? And also, really, before there was an internet. It's weird to be Gen X. Especially because now my primary creative focus is on a millennial piece of media, which is The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. And as we're now seeing Gen Z come in, I feel like Gen X was removed by millennials. And now we're seeing millennials being removed from relevance by Gen Z as they are coming into the workforce, creating media, creating culture. And it's just a strange fucking experience to be like, I want to see a movie that happened in the 90s. Because it's not just like pre-millennial now. It's also pre-Gen Z, and it seems so fucking dated that it is hard to reconcile that this is the shit I grew up on. Th these are the things that kind of gave me mm -hmm. my first inkling into what media even is, and they are beyond antiquated to listen to. The, like yeah. the sound of a fucking Pearl Jam song, which is just like a five-piece band, basically, or Nirvana, a three-piece band, a bass guitar, a lead guitar, and a fucking drum set. Now everything I listen to is fucking EDM. It's all like computer noises and shit. You know, like there's not a guitar in it. And even just hearing that like guitar and drums makes me feel old as fuck. But I also still love it. That's the flip side of it is I'm like, fuck, Pearl Jam was good, dude. You know? <laughs> and that thing that we talked about at the beginning of last episode, Lil Nas X's video, I think is just like, that's one of the nails in the coffin of it. When I remember how powerful music videos were during the era when they were at their height, my childhood, my adolescence, 
And now to see like one will pop up every once in a while, like a little Nas X video that has some kind of cultural relevance. And it's just, it feels so distant now that time when it was like music videos were it. I mean, you had like David Fincher, for example, a huge movie director now. And I realize my scream truly is that like watching The Bachelor is in some ways the acceptance of the death of my generation. Jesus. I, I early in the quarantine joined a group of people that were watching movies every week and it was potentially a slightly older generation who were picking the movies and oh my god (laughs) we've watched can't hardly wait have Mm. you seen this movie yeah i had never seen it and i was like holy shit like they were all so excited to watch it and i was like this movie is horrible they end like multiple scenes using the f word and like gay jokes and there's racist shit in it and it was just like this is why did you guys pick this movie it's horrible (laughs) there was a movie in the late 80s called just one of the guys and this was a popular kind of subgenre of movie about women pretending to be men to gain some uh upper standing in a business world or whatever this was a Mm -hmm. high school one where a high school student that is a woman is trying to get her paper or her uh, article published in the school newspaper and they won't do it because she's a woman basically even though the editor is like the story's just not good enough so she cuts her hair off short re-enrolls in another high school and pretends to be a man to see if she can get her thing published and then through the course of it she writes an article that's like an expose on what it's like to be a man if you're a woman to like see how the other half lives and the movie ends when of course she befriends this guy she falls in love with him but the guy thinks she's a guy mm. so he's not interested you know and there's the scene where they almost kiss and he's like what are you doing like total homophobia the movie ends with her revealing she's a woman to this man at a crowded party by opening her shirt and exposing mm. her bare breasts <laughs> classic <laughs> and this shit was like every kid saw this movie it was on hbo a hundred times a day and you're like yeah it's a great movie that happens and she's the man have you ever seen that movie she exposes her boobs someone oh maybe the man exposes his boobs to show that he's the man i can't remember exactly what happens but it's a. Uh, what I remember being a very cute movie with uh, Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum, but I wonder if it would hold up. But there was definitely someone someone proved what gender they were by revealing something <laughs> in it. You know, we look back at some of these movies through time, and some of them, I think, still do hold up in their treatment of gender, like Working Girl. Have you ever seen that? Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. Melanie Griffith, Sigourney Weaver. It's an 80s movie about Melanie Griffith trying to make her way in the like male-dominated business world. It's a fantastic movie still to this day. Or uh, 9 to 5. I watched it recently. <laughs> I watched it within maybe three or four years, I would say. Have you say. seen it since 2018? No. What? Which lens? Okay. I have not seen it in the 2018 lens. But <laughs> I'm saying there are some that still hold up and obviously some that don't. But whatever. This is a side conversation. My scream is basically that like I'm realizing uh-huh. my indulgence in The Bachelor, my full immersion in that world has effectively destroyed the piece of me that is gen x not that i really totally identify with gen x or whatever 
but certainly I um, am beholden to those first experiences with media as a result of it. You now feel like you're a millennial woman. No, I mean, I don't think I identify really with anything in terms of generation, but uh, listening to these songs and shit, it just like, it immediately snapped me back to this time before Bachelor. It's like, maybe that's the true scream is that I'm now evaluating my life and the passage of time in context to my relationship with The Bachelor. That The Bachelor is like the, you know how in the Roman calendar it's AD and BC? And Christ's birth mm-hmm. is the fucking thing around which we are measuring all yeah. time. For me, it's The Bachelor. It's BB. Yeah. Anyway, that's my scream. Well, I hope you, you know, are able to stay in touch with your cultural roots clues. Don't lose yourself in this beloved game. Thank you for indulging our screams. And thank you for coming with us on this journey on this Thursday. Hopefully, by the next time we talk to you, Glitter Baby will be among us. Cannot wait for that moment. We will be covering that, obviously, as it happens. And we will be back on Monday with a brand new Patreon episode for everyone deep down in the pit. We hope to see you there for that. And as we mentioned up top, we're going to have that shirt available for you next week. We will be posting everywhere on all of our social media where you can pick that up. And we will be discussing it further in the weeks to come. Yeah, it'll be the perfect item of clothing to wear to the opening back up parties. Indeed it shall be. And before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,946 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now. Head to toe, dressed in quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. 
What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me, who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website, and these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile, Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 